0: Listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold.
1: Good evening
2: everyone. Welcome to another Thursday night Hawks Insiders safe space. Uh, we're really excited to have you all here with us tonight and um, we're a couple of soldiers down, and it seem like we save this every week. Um, but we do have a few of our uh, regulars here co-hosting with me. I welcome the man behind the logo, Andrew Weese. How are you, Weezy?
0: Good, thanks, Prinzy. good evening, everyone. And this is what it's supposed to be like this season. Like after a few rounds, there was so much negativity, and we were so upset about the way we were playing, and We're back to that just feel good, even though we're losing, seeing the development side of things, and it's an exciting time. Really, really looking forward to the Frio game this weekend.
2: Absolutely. And one man I know is looking forward to the Frio game more than most because his man Connor McDonald is in and he doesn't have to tweet that he misses him again for the second week in a row. Darren Levine, how are you?
3: Hey, frenzy, and uh, yes, indeed, I am the ultimate Connor McDonald Stan. I um, nope. watched him play for Box Hill on the weekend, and he was absolutely incredible. I think he had thirty-seven touches, a goal. He was in and amongst everything, and I'm very much looking forward to his return to the side.
2: And uh, in a in a slightly more midfield role too
3: for Box Hill, which was nice to see, Daz. Oh, absolutely. I don't I don't know if he'll play in the guts for I us uh, on the weekend. Um, I just missed his presence uh, in the half-forward line. Just, uh, just He was a notable absentee, even though he doesn't touch the footy a lot. He's involved in a lot of really positive mm. things. So I really I really uh, miss seeing him on the weekend. Absolutely. Now, we
2: are going to start this evening by recapping the Western Bulldogs Hawthorne game. Before I do that, I just want to welcome everybody and request, if I can, that with only... Daz and Weezy and myself, we would love as many people to contribute this evening as possible. So if you've got a question, if you've got a comment, if you just want to hear your own voice on a podcast tomorrow, please um, request to speak. Weezy or myself will get you on. We'll get you, um, yeah, in front of the boys, and um, you can fire away. Uh, any no topic is off the table. I guess is what I was trying to say there. Um, but the Hawks went down. Fourteen ten ninety four to the uh, the Western Bulldogs were fourteen ten ninety four. I should say um, to the Hawks nine eleven sixty five. Now they lost by twenty nine points, but as see touched on, it was definitely in the honourable loss FC category, um, and not in a bad way. I think the best of the Hawks showed in this game that they can match it in the midfield, um, and when uh, when they've got their full complement, even up forward with um, some of the best uh, players in the comp and teams in the comp, and uh, it just kind of fell away. But we're going to break down this game with a few of our familiar voices, a couple of Hawks Insiders regulars, and um, we're really, really excited to hear from these guys. So we'll start with the good. um, We will chuck to Smog, I think, is doing the good this evening. So, Smog, welcome to you, Uh, first and foremost. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm great. I'm great guys. Um well, hopefully you can hear me. And um it's good to be presenting the, the good side of our footy at the moment. Um it's a talk about smog. Yeah, there is. It's um you know, it's I guess if you go back to the start of the year and you think about what the year was gonna look like, it was a it was pretty up in the air. Um we all knew that we were going to have a, a young midfield and, you know, every second article was telling us that we were going to get smashed in there and we were never gonna win clearances and the bigger bodies were going to destroy our kids and their confidence and, um, you know, the opposite has probably been a little bit true. So, you know, it's one of the big things about following us at the moment is probably trying not to get too hung up on the scoreboard, but watching the games and, and seeing some of the things that some of our young players are doing and I think probably none more so than Will Day with what he's been able to do since he's moved into the midfield um, because I think, you know, looking at what he was doing over the summer months, everyone was talking about he was going to be playing there more often and um, he would probably still play off the half-back flank but he would go into the midfield a bit more and he's pretty much stamped himself as, well, arguably our best midfielder now because has kind of uh, played some, some forward himself. Uh, and to, we really missed him when uh, he was out of the side and he came back in and he just he just picked up where he left off. Uh, it was probably one of the big bonuses of uh, getting him back as well as obviously our big key forward that we have not seen at all this year. And I think he just uh, exceeded all our expectations the way he sort of started that game. And he soon ran out of puff. But um, that first half was pretty exciting with some of the football we were playing um and just he was just taking everything he looked like he was possessed with that ball so yeah it was very exciting absolutely i think um what what were the,
2: what was robbo saying in his in his takes from uh, the weekend he was marking it he was playing like a Carey, kernahan brereton type football which um you know maybe that's a little bit <laughs> too far but um you know i think the only negative from the lewis game was just he didn't bring his kicking boots with him to marvel but um you know, I think Will Day spoke about that post game, and and Lewis assured him that um that was a once off, and he'll be he'll be bagging him next week. So I don't think we could have asked for a better return than that, could we?
1: No, not at all. Like that was yeah, that exceeded my expectations. That's for sure. I thought he might be a little bit rusty. Um, I thought you know if he gets if he gets four or five shots at goal, it's you know it's going to be over the course of. Of the game, but he's probably not going to uh, get it all his own way. But yeah, he certainly came out and um, just stamped his authority on the on our forward half. So that was that was great to see. Um, and probably the other, the other really big positive, although not really on the scoreboard, was just the amount of work that Ned Reeves was able to put in in the ruck because leading into the game, um, there was a lot of talk around how much work he was going to have to do in order to beat. English, or to, to compete with English, and English was going kind to of running him all over the ground and and really do a number on him. And um, Reeves just really held his own quite well in the in the stoppages, and um, he had I think it was nine contested possessions himself. So um, he's he is a big lump, and he, he does look like a moving ladder, but um, he's he's slowly improving and and becoming quite important for us in the middle and around the ground. So that was another big plus. It was a
2: huge plus. I think that's probably a career game for Ned Reeves. And, and, you know, previously we've been happy if he's cracked 10 possessions a game. And like you like you touched on, he actually had 10 contested possessions uh, and 15 for the game, which is a phenomenal effort. And probably the biggest um, sort of talking point of him is, is that the ability to work around the ground, take marks, collect possessions – so for him to have 15 against a noted sort of tall midfield type ruckman like Tim English was a phenomenal effort and absolutely smash him out of the ruck too, giving our, our rucks first use, hey? Um, yeah. One one question I had for you as well was, were, were there any young guys that you were really impressed with uh, on on the weekend or was it a bit of a quieter week
1: for you from the young blokes? Um, I think it probably was a little bit quieter. I think they uh, all just sort of played their role a little bit. But I the one... The one player that I'm just, I'm really excited about, and I'm trying not to get too excited about him because I, I don't want to um, put too much pressure on him in my own head. Um, and that's Brockman and the way he's moving up and down the ground now. And I think there was a play on the weekend where he was actually in the back pocket and he switched yep. it across to the other side of the ground. And by the time the ball got into our forward line, he was actually there putting pressure on the on the ball and gave the hands over. And I'm not... Quite sure who kicked the goal but I just thought he's working really really hard now and he's, he's actually providing something that um, earlier in the year he was subbed off because he couldn't provide that which I think I can't remember what game it was but I remember Mitchell in the in the press conference came out and said that they subbed Brocky off the ground because they wanted a presence across half forward mm. and they wanted Chad to provide that and I thought, well, that's a bit of a slap in the face for Brockman because they haven't really even given him t- too much of a chance to do that. But he's doing that himself now. And yep. he's getting involved up and down the wings as well. And he's got just that, that, that time in motion. He's just got that, that, that first touch. And it's, it's pretty exciting to think what he might be. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing another 20 games into Tyler. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on, on
2: Brockman, and it's it's interesting, right, because he's still doing some um, sort of basics incorrectly. Like, he's dropped a few simple marks in the last couple of weeks, and, um, you know, he's not had huge amounts of it, but it's these glimpses of, you know, the way his body moves or his work rate or just a little sidestep to get out of traffic, and you go, there's some, There's definitely something there, um, you know, that, that once he's had experience... Uh, at AFL level, 40 games, something like that, you know, you can see a really damaging weapon, and I know the the one you're talking about, I think, ended in a goal to Luke Bruce, um, yeah. where he got the yep. hands to Bruce and got the assist there. and um, Or he got it to Fergus, who got it to Bruce. And um, yeah, I think you, you're a spot on. I'm, I'm actually really excited about uh, Brocky as well. Before we finish up on the good, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts smog on uh, Josh Weddle and Max Ramson's debuts. Uh, did you like them? What did you like? What didn't you
1: like? So on and so forth. Yeah, look, I think um, they both had quite solid debuts. I think Rama was probably up against it. Um, coming in, he's still quite slight. Like, he's actually put on quite a bit of weight since he's joined the club. Um, and he's progressed really, really quickly because I think when he was first taken, he was seen as a bit of a project ruck. And, you know, there was talk that we probably wouldn't see him play seniors until 2024 or or maybe later. And for him to come in in the, in the first couple of months of 2023 and, and get a game... Um, I think is a, a credit to him. Um, he's certainly everything that I read about him and everything that I hear about him is that he's really, really keen, um, to get in there and, and learn and, and progress and, and get the most of it out of himself. So it was, it was really good to see him get that chance. He didn't really get near the ball too often. He sort of got pushed off it a few times and got found wanting when there was a bit of a contest near him. And all of a sudden he's, he'd lost his man, um, but I thought, you know, that that was a great experience for him. I, I I would have been totally fine if they'd given him another game, but I can completely understand that they've they've chosen to send him back to Box Hill this week. But I think um, he's he's going to be a pretty good player for us in time. But he's obviously right at the very very start of his career, so um, he's got a bit to work on at the moment. Um, on Weddle, yeah, he certainly grew into the game. As it, as it moved on so um, I think we we didn't get to see a lot of what everyone's quite excited about which is his ball carrying and his, his breakaway pace and his athleticism um, and I think for a, a large part of the game he was p- possibly even overawed with with uh, what was going on around him and, and trying to stay in the moment and and stay in the contest um, but I think that's the game will probably open up for him as he gets um, a little bit more comfortable at the level. So it's going to be exciting to see what he does um, this weekend.
2: Beautiful, Smog. Thank you so much. That was a
1: very detailed wrap,
2: as always, by you. So really appreciate it. Um, Mick, now jump on Mick. Um, you have copped the short end of the stick this week because you've copped the negative. And I know you're not necessarily a Brad Klebanski uh, acolyte. You're, you're You're a relatively positive guy. So we'll preface it by saying... You know, I'm sure you're relatively happy, but did you see anything in the game, Mick, that you thought maybe we need to work on or something that just didn't quite work?
4: Yeah, Dan. Um, yeah, I take the view we win or we learn. So what did we learn out of this week? I think we learned on selection. There's a big jump between the VFL and the AFL in terms of Ramsden taking Smog's point. You know, he got pushed aside. He's pretty light-bodied. You know, So playing against Fremantle with Pierce, Ryan and... Um, Cox, so I just couldn't see him playing. Um, so, you know, I think when, when we look at blokes playing in Box Hill and saying, yeah, we're going to pump them up to, to go up to the next level, we've got to take, bear in mind who they played against. Like, Ramster played against Coburg the week before. He'll go back and play against Northern Bullants, both standalone sides. So it's going to make it hard. Whereas McDonald went back and played against um, Casey Demons and they had Melksham, um, Dunstan, uh, Taiwa Woden playing in the midfield, you know, so they weren't, they weren't bunnies so to speak, or they weren't the part times. I think uh, Ashmont did them I speak, in the Plum plums. Plums. you know. That, yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing on selection, I think we, and I think a lot of us spoke about it. I think we heard ourselves Thursday night by not picking a tall defender, yep. like DGB should have played, um, and or Scrimshaw should have played. And if DGB played that, they, they wouldn't have allowed Scrimshaw, or the sub, to go forward rather than go back. And Mitchell could have stayed on the ground, I think, in the end. And what's really frustrated hearing the news today is that CJ's not, you know, they knew he had to be rested at some stage. Why didn't they rest him last week? Yeah. You know? Know? And then play the big defender. It's a really
2: good question uh, because,
4: you know, we look at it, right? And
2: we see the Bulldogs forward line is the land of the Giants, you know, Lobb, Norton, Jamari, Ugal, Hagen. And you just think, surely this is a game where. Denver Granger Brass gets to come in and play and he still has to sort of bide his time at VFL
4: level. Mm, yeah, and it's like in the last quarter it showed out, you know, Frost gave away that really bad free kick where he pushed uh, Norton when the pack was going to kill him. Anyway, I was sitting down down that end of the ground. It was obvious as plain as day that Norton was never going to mark yep. that one. Um, yeah, you know, so that was, that was one of the, the learnings, I think. The other learning perhaps over the last six weeks is our goal kicking is atrocious we're 61 77 mm-hmm. for the year not going to win many football you know, and, games like that <laughs> not at all you know, we're only positive in two games 11 nine and 11 um, you know, and you know, like Moore's four six for the year and he was 26 14 last mm-hmm. year 27 11 the year before and Bruce's 11 and eight and he was 40 and 19 and 33 and 11. Um, and Wingard's guards 1 and 5 he was 17 and 6 and 12 and 11 so these guys are going well under you know, the last couple of years and it's, kill- it's really hurting us. Green's the interesting one I think in terms of he missed his first three shots but now is 11-6 mm. so effectively he's 11-3 since the first game but you know, the goal kicking is is an issue being dealt with I it it went down to training this morning it's interesting, Lewis spent 15 minutes on his own while the others were doing a, a drill together just goal kicking <laughs> So um, that was interesting. And the other tidbit out of training was Eamon tweaked his knee, and went off, re- you know, relatively early, and didn't come back on. Actually, took some an anti-inflammatories, or took some sort of tablet while he's off on the side. So
2: that might wonder one one watch, watch, especially if they're bringing a few. Was it Finn McGinnis and um, Cam McKenzie as midfield options, and Lockie Bramble as well as a wing option?
4: Mm-hmm. So uh, they clearly they're covering all bases there. Um, they didn't seem too perturbed about it, and you know, but that that leads to my next point. You know, the field kicking is another issue. You know, it's almost like the old days of the pen licence at school. Some blokes should be given, you know, and this week it was unfortunate. The culprit was Morrison twice. You know, he was coming out, kicking to the, I call it the the on um, the the bulldogs end. And he had one bloke short, one of our blokes short, one long, and there's a bulldog bloke in the middle. He hit the bulldog bloke in the middle in the last quarter. And whilst we might have won the game, the momentum was sort of going our way. They turned it back and you know, kicked it over, you know, kicked the goal and sort of deflated as a thought. Um, and then the other one was um, Fergus Green was interesting in terms of, again, the first quarter. I don't know how this came up on tally, but again, sitting at that end, Lewis took the mark in the square. Yeah. The first for his first yep. goal, and Fergus started mouthing off at the footscrow blokes, you know, where he's got some resentment about being cut or whatever else, to the point where uh, Mitch put him in a headlock between he tra- he him put out he of the I'm just thinking, he lost his focus there and then for the rest of the day, he never got into the game, so it I don't know. It seemed like he was which is unfortunately a bit over-pumped for the game,
2: I think that's probably, a, is that a fair reflection?
4: Yeah, I think yeah, he took his angry pills because he ain't got the size and body. He might get away with it in the VFL again, but the AFL, is I don't think he can throw his weight around like that. Absolutely, um, yeah. But yeah, I think they're progressing well. Um, McDonald back in. I think the picks are right. Meek, the Meek dropping last week, I thought was more about Meek than Ramsden, to be frank. Yep. I think they want to they want to put a bullet up his. So, okay, you've got to lift your game. Yeah, and I think, I think that says it too, right? If you're playing a debutant over playing a guy you've just recruited
2: to the club who's 110 kilos and 200 centimetres, he, he's going, shit, I better, I better do something. And here And he responded, right? Like, he absolutely – he was he was definitely the Hawks' best player uh, and the second-best player on the ground against Casey um, after Jake Malksham, who basically everything he touched turned to gold.
4: <laughs> I've never seen him play like that ever, Um I don't yeah. I haven't checked whether he got picked this week or not. I don't know whether he forces his way into so. it. Um
2: yeah.
4: well, just the one other thing of training. It, it was interesting they were doing a drill and Meek was actually coaching the drill, taking Darcy, you know, instructing I think it might have been Keegan Brooks who the was the ruck coach today and I just drilling he was saying how Darcy played against Reeves to give Reeves an idea. So, you know, the inside knowledge might be handy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think just having Having Meek in there, he's going to have a point to prove to his own selection uh, team uh, for being dropped to, to the Rezies. He's also going to have a point to prove against Frio. So hopefully he doesn't uh, go over the top like Fergus did last week, but hopefully he's measured enough to, um, you know, Control the uh, the excitement that there will be about playing your own, your old team. So, uh, Mick, uh, always a pleasure hearing your thoughts, mate. They're always very insightful, very detailed, that we we really appreciate. you jumping on and, and doing the bad, or as you as we should call it this week, the good and the learnings. So, thank you so much, Mick, for your contribution.
4: No, it's awesome.
2: Uh, we're going to move on to the next game, which is obviously as Mick touched on, Frio over in Perth uh, Saturday night. Um, I believe we've got Scott that's going to jump on. He's headed over to WA. But before he does, um, Daz, I just want to get your thoughts. If you could put the cocktail down, mate, and um, join the party for a second. Um, your thoughts on the selection of Meek, McDonald, and oh, now my brain's gone, um, completely gone on me, Uh help me out here boys Scrimshaw. oh my goodness why could i not remember his name um thoughts on the on the, the ins and the outs this week does
3: yeah well um yeah thanks thanks for that uh smorg and mick it was nice to sit back and listen to the show for a second um but yeah i i, I think i think you know obviously spoke about it before and conor mcdonald deserves his recall he went back it's only his second game of vfl footy and um you know, he, he went back and had the right attitude and, and he's, he's earned a recall. Meek, uh, I think, you know, Ramsden, would have, would have been nice for him to get back-to-back games, but um, definitely, I think, going up going up there back to free, I think, must have factored in, in, in the decision to play Meek. And, and I think definitely, I don't know, Darcy playing or I think he's... Yeah, think they he's, said he was in um,
2: doubt, but he'll absolutely play. I reckon he did this last time against the Hawks. Yeah. And us.
3: Yeah, so I think I think maybe the big body of make up against Darcy um, makes a lot more sense than than Ramsden, um, uh, and then Scrimshaw. I mean, turf toe. I'm not sure what's been going on with Scrimmers, but you know he's best twenty two any day of the week for us, and just makes our backline so much better, so much stable, so much more stable, and then gives Sis that sort of more license to to do what Sis does best. Um, in terms of Frio, Matt Fife coming back scares me. He always he always has a massive game against yeah, us. Even on one league. I know he's kinda of, absolutely I know he's coming to the end of his career, but it's just the kind of game that, that Fife uh, would be looking forward to and I think um that that's the biggest worry for me. Frio are in terrible form. I've watched a i have watched watched a few of their games and they're just playing very, very average footy at the moment, but uh, I think that may work against us. Big home crowd. We do play that stadium well. So yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting game. I'm I'm not really sure what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think the the five one is a big one. He'll probably kick four. We'll lose by like seven points or something like that, and he'll break our hearts again. He, like he seems to do more often than not. We see anything to add to that, or you're pretty comfortable with Daz's summation.
0: No, that's pretty good. I think what will be interesting is I'm pretty sure Fife has, hasn't has actually been named in the team, but they've said he will play as the starting sub. So more so, how many goals do we need to be up by at three yeah. quarter time so, if so, we really want to win so it? So what you're
3: saying is... Four goals yeah. off the bench last quarter. Saying
2: yeah. kick four in a quarter, not four in a game. Yeah, great.
0: Right. That's right. But um, no, look, it's uh, one thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing against Frio is Ned Reeves has blossomed over the last few weeks and Smog obviously mentioned it um in the good talking about his game against Timmy English. Um Meek's been named at full forward with Mitch Lewis in a forward pocket. Um and we expected at the start of the season to see our second ruck play as a 70% Seventy percent forward rotating in the ruck, and and now we potentially have that whilst Mitch Lewis is there. So it's going to be another element of, um, you know, that there's going to be a lot of experimenting and playing around with exactly how that works. Sending Fergus higher up the ground. Tyler Brockman, Brockman got named at half forwards, how much higher up the ground is he going to play? It'll be really, really interesting to see how that goes this weekend.
2: And one one of us here that will be there to witness it in person, Scott, uh, thanks for jumping on, mate. You're headed to Perth. Just you Chuck yourself on a uh, commute. Yeah, yep. got it.
5: I'm uh, making the trek over tomorrow morning, me and my <clears throat> nine-year-old, so 7.55 a.m. flight over. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I don't think I, I don't know if I'm crazy or not going over, but hopefully we play like we have been the last couple of weeks and not like the uh, first few games at the start of the year.
2: Absolutely. So, this is a bucket list item for Weesey, and I think that's why he's taken himself off mute. He, I, I can feel the jealousy radiating through Twitter yeah. spaces. <laughs> what made you decide that you wanted to pick this game to take your son over to? Uh,
5: I had a stack of frequent five points, so it that didn't work. overtly cost me a lot. And my best mate lives over there who's also a Hawks man, so I'm going to go to the game with him and his son as well. Oh, beautiful.
2: And um, you're staying in the same hotel as the team. Let's go.
5: I just found out before, apparently, yes, in the, the Novotel. So uh, I think my son will be very excited when he finds that out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of uh, signature opportunities <laughs> while you're there.
5: Yeah, be, I'm going to take him to the open training as well tomorrow, Arvo, so that'll be good. Uh, I did the tri- trip over to Subiaco in 2008, so thought I'll have to tick off uh, Optus stadium now.
2: Absolutely, and um, I guess... Um, any, any anyone in particular you're looking forward to watching in person over there? Is there, um, you know, it's a, it's the Meek return game, Scott. Uh, you think he's up for a big one, or um, you know, who who who, who are you looking forward to seeing in person?
5: Well, yeah, I mean, he's playing against his old side, so that'll be interesting. And seeing Omira in the other colours will be interesting as well. So um, pity that Bru- I'm a bit shattered. Bruce isn't making the trek over, but. Good to see Scrimshaw back in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for jumping in, Scott. We uh we really appreciate it. Before you go, how long have you are you a Hawks member? And if you are, how long have you been uh, following the Hawks? Uh
5: yeah, well, I've been a Hawks member all my life and I'm currently twenty-seven years. Uh, yeah, same consecutive, me. but I've been a member other years as well, not consecutive, yeah. but um yeah, I'm Kennedy Club, so done done a stack of interstate trips and Unreal.
2: yeah. Oh well, when we get to Ashes level of getting the 50 years of consecutive, we'll be in the same year, Scott. So uh, we'll catch up. <laughs> we'll catch up then. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no worries.
2: Awesome. Thanks for jumping on, Scott. Appreciate it.
5: No worries, guys.
2: Um, moving on to uh, the Tassie team, and see I'm gonna throw to you on this one. I just want to get your thoughts uh, high level on. Tazzy finally getting a team and, um, and yeah, um, how it sort of impacts the Hawks, you know, in this space of time. We'll touch on a few things there in terms of, you know, the timing of our rebuild comparatively to Tazzy
0: coming in. But, yeah, high-level thoughts initially, mate? Yeah, for sure. Well, first, uh, I think we should start off, for those that haven't seen On The Stack, um, Ash penned uh, a fantastic article about it and, and I guess how – um, of all the clubs affected were probably affected the most in the comp um, he also um, probably, prinzy, uh got to feel what it's like to be Brad for a day I think there got was some, some, criticism. Um, some, <laughs> got some criticism but I think uh, the comment was removed I think it might have been a case of uh, mistaken identity uh, having a little bit of, of a go at some negativity um, which uh, yeah, the article itself was certainly not negative, um, but a brilliant read. So anyone who hasn't read it, um, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, uh, jump on to the stack and check it out. Yeah, look, it's got a very, very different feel, doesn't it, to the last couple of clubs coming into the competition. And um, oh, I think I had the, the best... Um, you know, the, the best way I heard it described today was um, more about a member of the Australian football family and, and injustice being, um, being uh, righted, I guess, um, and that they potentially had Tasmania um actually had significantly more claims to having their own team than GWS and Gold Coast who who obviously got in before them did have. So um there's certainly a a massive feel good factor to to them coming into the competition. Um and I I don't think anyone doubts that they'll have a pretty good level of support from down in Tasmania. Uh the interesting things I guess to see um, I think one of the first things I noted as soon as it got announced was, you know, in our in our chat, Daz and Prinzi, I said, uh, "What a brilliant time now to be rebuilding and stocking the draft picks that we're doing now, uh, as opposed to falling off the edge of a cliff in two or three years' time when there are clearly going to be lots of concessions." Um, that's probably tapered off a little bit because. Um, a lot of the commentary from Gill and generally has been that having learned their lessons from GWS and Gold Coast, um, the concessions are potentially going to be less draft pick related and more salary cap related um, to be able to help um, get them as competitive as quickly as possible without having put having to put years into... Um, X number of top-level draftees. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be a mix of that. And as I just said, um, certainly the notion that we're doing it now, we're going to have decent picks next year. We're going to probably have good picks the year after. That the pool of players we're getting together, when they do come into the competition, we're going to be right in the window of contention. And there will be a number of clubs that are potentially going to struggle off the back of that. So... Um that's definitely pretty exciting for me. Um it'll be very interesting to see whether um we're gonna start looking at buys. Um how long after a nineteenth team are they gonna be talking about a twentieth team to even that up from that point of view? Um I think some of the other things um and Ash mentioned in the article are um you, you know, that the stadium is gonna be full. 10, 11, 12 times a year when they play their home games, what's it going to be doing for the rest of the season? So there's potentially opportunities to still play matches for money in Tasmania because the amount of money we potentially get from Tassie for sponsorship would be offset by the fact that they need people using the venue that they're about to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars putting together um so that'll be an interesting watch as well but i think overall it's a pretty it's, it's a pretty positive vibe i think it's a pretty positive move and i don't think there are too many people um too many people that are looking at it that negatively
3: Daz, what are you, what are you thinking well, mate, like who's who wants to live there? What young players want to live there?
2: Not James Sicily.
3: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not joking. Even you, know what? Do you know what? I'm I, I, I love Tassie. Just yeah. for the record, I absolutely love Hobart. I've been there a bunch of times. I think Sicily was talking about Launceston, which I've been to, and even on the day that the Hawks were playing, it was an absolute ghost town at seven thirty. So. I take his point maybe about system, but Hobart's one of the best cities in the world.
0: Yeah. I, do you know what? It's really interesting. Uh, on, I think I heard both today on SEN, Leonard Copeland talking with Gazy and Andy Mark as there's, a, I think, what is it, the 93 reunion of the Melbourne Tigers all getting together maybe this weekend. Copeland talking about how good Tassie is and in recent times... Uh, that if you're young, there's no shortage, especially in Hobart, of good times to be had and you know Mitch Robinson gave a pretty impassioned um, speech. We've heard Jack Rewalt talk about uh, we've heard Jack Rewalt talk about um, how he would absolutely up and move to be part of the franchise when it when it kicks off and um yeah, I mean, Launceston, you're exactly right. For anyone that's ever gone, you can't really go out at past 8pm and expect anything to be open. So, um, yeah, Pringsy, your thoughts? Uh,
2: well, welcome to your dog too, Weezy. That was a nice little... <laughs> nice little <laughs> Apologies camera. for that's that. That's third, the third Weiss family member that's made it on, the, on a Hawks Insiders podcast. So, fair play. <laughs> Um no I I agree I think it's just great for the competition right like um Tassie's such a footy state and uh I think the fact that this has taken so long to happen um you know we got a, I got a few Tassie mates um you know a couple of the guys that have helped us uh, in the past um Nat and uh and AJ are both Tassie boys and and you know they they're not defecting from the Hawks but they are just pumped for their hometown and their home state to be able to finally be rewarded with a football team that they can claim as their own and that they can be proud of and that young tasmanians can grow up watching and being involved in and and the hope is that it not only will it be great for the state from having an elite sporting club there uh, in in the AFL landscape but also that it helps local footy you know the TSL and um, and and that sort of stuff to to be able to develop the quality there too. So I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's perfect. I think it's long overdue. I think it's really exciting. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a few sort of fixture issues around, you know, reintroduction of the buy and, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not a huge fan of, I think eventually they'll need to get to 20 teams. Um, But, I think if they learn from their mistakes in terms of compensation uh, and they don't just give all of the draft picks to, to Tassie, but they make them build through experienced players, then Tassie might be able to come in and compete straight away, which I think is what they're going to want. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's um, really, really good. Daz, did you have anything to add before we move on?
3: Yeah. Well, you made a good point there, Prinzi, in terms of you know people like AJ being really excited about it. I think the, the Hawks fans in Tassie, are Hawks fans first and foremost, and they're not going to jump ship. I think I think they'll have a second team, and I think there's a a lot of value in that too, and, and, and that can't be understated. So even though there's North and Hawthorne supporters and they're pretty rusted on in Tassie, I think they'll get behind this team because I think the big difference between a Tassie team and, say, Gold Coast and GWS is this isn't a product of some demographic study look at the AFL being strategic and looking at certain catchments as a, as a sort of place to, to sort of muscle in. This is driven by a state that's, that loves their footy. It's a grassroots movement and they've been agitating for it for a long time. So I think this is going to be a really successful, uh, it's not an experiment. I think it's going to be a really successful um, initiative from the AFL. um, Because when you look at Frio and you look at, Port Adelaide, and you look at these other expansion clubs that have come about through grassroots um, support and grassroots movements, they are often successful.
0: How nervous do you guys reckon it makes uh, everyone at the Giants and Gold Coast thinking, we've got, you know, we've got five years to try and uh, move up the ladder and get some on-field success before they come in and can potentially be overtaken them by them very, very early. Do you think, Prinzi, there's an element of uh, concern or that they'd be looking over their shoulders? Um,
2: look, maybe, but, you know, wouldn't you think that they'd have elements of concern, especially Gold Coast being in the competition for as long as they have with zero success? So, you know, that concern should be there regardless of Tasmania entering the competition or not. But I do I do think that if Tassie can get it right and they can get it right early, that they can kind of do in the AFL maybe not as quickly but what the jack jumpers have done in the NBL in terms of just seeing how rowdy and um, you know invested Tasmanians are for their elite level sport so um, I'm really excited to go down there and watch a Hawthorne versus Tassie game uh, um, when when Tassie are in because I reckon the atmosphere will be unreal and I think I think there's I think there's a lot to having a like Clubs having a soul or having a, um, you know, real um, buy-in and investment from from the fans. And and GWS and and the Gold Coast are trying to manufacture that. Tassie won't need to do that. And that's a huge leg up straight off the bat because it'll be attractive top-end players um, that they're not going to play in front of 5,000 people in a, you know, little boutique Empty stadium, but they'll go to Hobart. They'll play in, in a newly developed, brand new stadium, and it'll be chockers. It absolutely will be. And I think the whole state will be behind them. They'll be treated like, um, you know, celebrities in the street, um, and that's that's huge for some people. That that's huge. So I think there's some real benefits that Tassie has over Gold Coast and GWS for sure.
4: And
3: I think too, just um, I'm not sure if they've they've spoken about. Whether the you know the the local sort of catchment um, for for young Tassie players because you just love to see that team stacked with young Tassie talent um, creating a sort of pseudo state of origin every time they play Victorian clubs or South Australian clubs or WA clubs or Queensland clubs so I think I think that's that's really exciting um, and yeah yeah bring it on honestly I'm 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 pretty pumped for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there, is, there was some conversation about that where, uh, you know, they might have access to Tassie players that are on other people's lists. They'll definitely have priority access to any Tasmanians coming through the draft, which makes sense. Um, it probably also sort of um, is, is, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? But, um, you know, drafting guys like the Blues drafted Lockie Cowan pretty high up last year. Um, they'll be a little bit nervous. There'll be a lot of clubs with Tasmanians on their list that'll be a bit nervous. Uh, we, we, we should just be happy that we had Grant Birchall when we did and not now. Uh, I think that definitely helps. So, um, yeah, move, moving on.
0: I, won't, I, I was just going to say, Prinzy, it won't just be Tasmanians. I already even saw a comment about how um, for Will Day... He's right in the zone in terms of...
2: Yeah, he enters free agency. That being yeah. when his contract...
0: Yeah, that's when his contract ends. So um, it won't just be clubs with Tasmanians, and I'm not suggesting that, that that's what will happen with Will, but there will be players right in that hitting zone, same as, you know, the Gary Abletts of the world and uh, that, that they're going to be able to turn heads with some major,
3: major offers at the time. I heard that a Will Day bought a big house in Tasmania. <laughs> you guys heard that too. Uh, but I think the only downside is maybe Jack Rewald playing well into his 40s uh, for the Tasmanian team. Still going. I don't know about you guys, but God, I'm, I'm getting sick of Rewald and Hawkins every single week still. Yeah, no, tell me about it. It feels like forever. Tell me about it. Um,
2: now, we, we discussed the, the timing of the rebuild. So I'm going to move on to... Um, article is what i'm going to say uh, from jay clark in the herald sun uh today it does um did you get a chance to read uh the um the article from jay-z effectively saying that we haven't cut too deep um, and that you know the midfield numbers are um really drastically improved from from last year and um that you know all of the calls around Mitchell and Omira, you know, losing them is going to hurt the Hawks and it will set them back, and yada yada yada, um, has actually proven to be completely inaccurate.
3: I didn't read the article. Uh, I saw it pop up in our WhatsApp, and I saw it on Twitter, and I didn't read it because I feel like we write that article every single week. So fair. Uh, it's, it's It's not, not maybe, it's not news, not news maybe, to me. It's, it's nice to hear it from somebody
2: outside of our uh, our, our horse oh, yeah. bubble because we have been slammed week in week out, haven't we? In the in the in the in the media at large around you know tanking and cutting too deep and you know blah 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 blah. Um, it is nice to see maybe a more balanced, factual article which talks to you know some of the um, truths around this rebuild. That um, it's actually moving on. These players have allowed others like Warple to rediscover his form, Conan Ash to be one of the most improved players in the competition, uh, and then Will Day to sort of explode as an AFL level midfielder. You know, John Newcomb to get more midfield time, and so on and so forth. That that must be. I mean, it's nice to be have that that vindication, I guess, from external parties does.
3: Absolutely. Um, yeah, and that, that's a great point, Prinzi. I think maybe the media tide is turning and, and, and it's hard to argue with um, straight-up facts. So the stats don't lie and, you know, the the you don't really hear a lot from the De Hawthorne cut too deep people anymore. And it's interesting because I saw a few West Coast supporters on Twitter complaining because uh, some commentators are saying that maybe they shouldn't they should have cut all their players over 30. so I think that the narrative has shifted over to West coast and they've got to cop it now for probably until the end of the season um, along with with North who, are, who look like they're you know that early kind of new coast new coach bounce is is wearing off and you know I made the point on in our recap like which which of the bottom sort of three teams would you rather be right now Absolutely. We
2: see um you you're flicking on the mute
3: on and off the mute button, so I'm assuming
2: you've got something that you want to <laughs> yeah.
0: continue. You know what? Like I mean, this is the fickle nature of the media landscape in footy and when you're down they'll go hard and when things start to turn they start to turn and forget that they've ever written anything bad about you. And I mean, we've been talking about this for six weeks about how it had to be done. And we've looked at the numbers, especially over the last three or four weeks, that suggest that we made the right decisions. And again, individually, Titch is having a great season with Magpies in a role in their team. But we know he wouldn't have been able to do that the same way with us. And Jager's having a very average season at Frio. So, like, we've known this. And it's no different to when the Clarkson and Mitchell handover happened. And at that time, everyone's very passionate and you just got to ride through it and let the dust settle. And, I mean, look at the last week. You've got Robbo writing articles about how um, Clarko's list is no good and he's playing the old players and he should be playing the youth and not backing the generals and different narrative to what they were spouting five weeks ago after two rounds, right? So I just... Think that it has to stay present in our minds because whatever it is in five weeks' time that we're getting absolutely smashed about, in 10 weeks' time will have turned and be completely irrelevant. So yeah. um, maybe I think, was it, was it Mick earlier talking about pen licences? Yeah. Uh, maybe Jay can have his pen licence now. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think there's some real validity in that uh, comment we see around you know, keeping it in our mind as to the journey that we're on. And, you know, media kind of has to be in a way, but I think they lean into it too heavily, that sort of knee-jerk reaction type writing. And, uh, you know, you see that because one one week, the Hawks could be flavour of the month. The next week, you know... Their their whole recruiting and player um, management is get is in question and now now it's North Melbourne's turn and uh, West Coast's turn. I have a feeling actually West Coast will probably be on the receiving end of it for maybe the next 18 months to be honest because they're. Their list is in, you know, dire straits, and their injury list is just atrocious. But um, they're they're only going further
0: down before they go up. That's for sure. So, um, and Daz, I reckon Daz said it beautifully. Like you look at the bottom three teams, like removing the the eye patch so that both eyes are looking at things. Who would you rather be right now? You, you'd rather have our list and what we're putting together than West Coast for sure. And you just have to say that we're ahead of North right now in terms of...
3: No, North are actually ahead of Richmond. So uh, uh, that, that's my bad. It's it's actually um, North is no, fourth and bottom. But you
0: look at uh, Richmond's list and there's a different expectation. I don't think... I mean, clearly they've dropped off, but I don't think we're all resigned to the fact that they've totally dropped off and they'll still win games and uh, again, who would you rather be playing even of those three teams R- right now you Richmond would be the last of those three teams we'd want to be playing right We'd want to be playing West Coast or north to bank points so um, yeah I, I, I think that after they were 2 and0 north having played West Coast here and been lucky against Frio, um, and granted West Coast have all their injuries, but you you look at the quality of football that's being played and, um, yeah, big tick to where we're at at the moment.
2: Absolutely, and I think Mick's point uh, in the comments is um, very apt. The, the, the only difference is that West Coast struggling doesn't sell papers here in Melbourne. So when there is a Melbourne team, and a big Melbourne team like the Hawks, you are going to get, um, you know, sort of, front page news for that sort of thing because it's what brings people to their website and it's what sells papers but um unfortunately i think it's a false economy i think the hawks are really comfortable in where they're at they're really comfortable in the list the phase of the list that um build that they're on and you know after another good uh draft or two and free agency period and trade period or two um, you know, we'll see where where the cards lie there. Now we're going to finish up early tonight. Uh, we're going to just go over just over fifty minutes. But Daz, you are our pop culture expert at the Hawks Insiders. Um, in the last week, we've seen Josh Giddy, former Hawthorne supporter Josh Giddy, um, be presented with a Collingwood jumper, following Tom Mitchell over to the Pies, and talking about being um, signed up and. Uh, how does that sit with you, Daz? Because, um, you know, we we don't have a lot of sort of famous Hawthorne supporters and Giddy was one you could sort of form the brand around a little bit if we could and he's just jumped ship at first opportunity.
3: Yeah. Well, what's going on with Hawthorne's PR department letting that happen, first of all? Um, I'm not actually sure, like, what, how, how that happened. Is it a friendship with Tom Mitchell? Is it a... Partnership with um, ball I magnets. I think it is
2: something He's, something along those lines. Yeah,
3: but. it must be some some ball magnet magnets thing. Uh, you know, Andrew Gaze is a is a great mate of Warwick Giddy's dad. Um, you know, both Hawthorne, rusted on Hawthorne supporters, so have absolutely no idea there um, what's what's going on. And yeah, it's who changes. Who changes teams? Like I, I just think there's there's got to be <laughs> some commercial arrangement involved. So
0: there a hundred percent is. So I'm pretty sure he invested heavily um, in Ball magnets. So um, Giddy is absolutely a business partner. But Gazy was talking about this today, and because um, he's uh, he's a little bit upset about the whole situation, said he sent. Uh, sent Giddy a text message to find out what the John Dory is. Uh, and he has had absolute crickets, has not heard anything back. He, I think he tried to blame him now permanently using an American number instead of his Australian one, but said uh, said that, uh, yeah, he was bemused and I think a little bit disappointed, Gacy.
2: Yeah, and rightly so. Like, you know, we're... Josh Giddy's a grown man who changes sporting teams as a grown man. Like if you do that, and it's frowned upon when you're a kid, but if you do that, you do that when you're in primary school, right? Not when you're balling out in the NBA in in your second season. So let's just hope it's one of those, um, you know, momentary things where he is attached to ball magnets and Tom Mitchell's the face of ball magnets. And, you know, it's just a business thing. And Josh sees the light and probably around the time we're successful You'll see him holding up a hawk shirt in front of the uh, Kennedy Community Center in Dingley, boys.
0: Um, do you want him back, Frenzy? Uh, look, I,
2: th- I, I don't know. <laughs> i was spitting. Um, look, you know, all the, all Hawthorne supporters are welcome. That's all I'll say. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's not a big deal either way. I don't think, but I, I do think it's a bit funny. You know, there, I saw a photo on Twitter, uh, probably one of our listeners that posted it. You know. Um, with Giddy standing with his number three Hawthorne jersey signed by Tom Mitchell, and then Giddy standing with his number three Collingwood jersey signed by Tom Mitchell. But um, anyway, that's uh, that's it on Josh Giddy, and that's all we've got time for tonight. So I just want to thank um, everybody who jumped in. Thank you to Scott for jumping in, and um, Scott, we look forward to hearing your wrap up of the game next week after you get back from Perth. I want to thank Smog for his good. Um, the detailed analysis of the good stuff that happened against the the doggies and Mick as well for um, the learnings that came out of the doggies. And Mick, I like that. We're going to try to run that with Brad next week and see if he takes. I have a feeling he'll just want to come off the long run negatively and just go whack, whack, whack. But uh, especially if we lose to Frio next week and it'll be must-listen uh, radio or podcast um here next Thursday night if the Hawks lose to Frio over in WA because Brad will go on.
3: Oh. oh, Brad. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about our WhatsApp. If I'm, I'm definitely muting our WhatsApp. It's going to go nuclear. Start, uh,
2: next on Saturday night, that's for sure. I want to thank Daz and Weesey as well for um, hosting with us tonight. Thank you everybody for jumping in. Great numbers on a Thursday night um, and we're really looking forward to seeing how the Hawks go. We will be back on the weekend with the player review pod post Free mantle game. It'll be up in your feeds on Monday. We'll have a match wrap um, coming as well, and there'll be a few articles um, coming in the next few days. So if you are not already a Hawks Insider subscriber, please subscribe to our Substack. Five dollars a month, fifty dollars for the year. Um, there's plenty of content coming. We've got a couple of exciting interviews with uh key Hawthorne people. Um, we had great response to the Will Day interview. We're going to hope to get Will back on um, again in the next month. And, yeah, please um, join us and this community that we're creating. Um, we love having you part of it. And thank you very much for your time tonight. I uh, hope everybody has a great day. Goodbye.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.